0: Welcome everyone to the Wellness Wisdom Podcast. We are so glad that you are here with us today. And today we're going to be talking about um, uh, several different topics. We're going to take a new approach to our podcast and really dive into, you know, just an environment of having a whole roundtable discussion. Um, with our with our coaches, as well as you know, hoping our listeners will get involved in the conversation as well in the comments and social media and things like that. So, um, we're going to start focusing on some current topics that are in the news. Um, before we get started, though, I want to remind everyone that everything that you hear on this podcast that we talk about is for educational purposes only. Um, and if you're making any changes, or you're taking anything that we're saying, um, you know, from these discussions and things that we would do, things we would tell our clients, just make sure that you are passing that through um, your licensed medical professional, um, your primary doctor or anything like that. Before you make changes, it's so very, very important to make sure that you have those discussions first. Today, we have with us, Sarah Beaton. Hey, Sarah. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, staying warm. Oh, good. And then we have Michelle McCoy. Hey, Michelle. Hi, hi, everybody. Good to see you. And we have Kathy Riley. Hi there. <laughs> and then, hey, Bobby. We've got Bobby McGrath. Hello, hello, hello. Ready and... to go on to talk about trends? Yay! And then finally, we've got Jane Phillips. How are you today? Hey, hey,
1: happy Tuesday. It's so good to be here. I'm really excited to. Uh, see what y'all have to say about the newest trends and everything. There's a lot to know about, guys.
0: Yes,
2: absolutely.
0: All right. So with that, let's get started. All right. So this weekend, I was just kind of doing some research online. And an interesting topic I know for me that came up, um, sometimes, you know, I just kind of cruise past some of these news articles and research and everything, because it's just not pertinent at that moment, right? But we all have aging parents, right? Right. And as we take care of our aging parents, it becomes so integral in our daily life that we start worrying ourselves about (laughs) where am I going to be when I am my parents age, right? Like mentally, physically, health wise, like all of these different things. And so I ran across a couple articles that talks about um, age, whether it's physical age or brain age. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to dive into those a little bit. So the first one that I ran across that piqued my interest was living past 100. Right? And we all know that there is not very many people that live past 100. But it, it interests me because my husband and I have had conversations and he's like, I'm going to live to 113 years old. Wow. Now, nobody in his family has lived that long right? But he has a sense of mind. He's going to live to 113 years old. And so he has taken steps with his health to make sure that he's going to be able to do that and still be mentally, you know, acuative um, and being able to physically move and everything. And so that's why it's really piqued my interest. And so we've all heard of blue zones. I don't know if our audience has heard of blue zones or not, but blue zones are basically the zones across the world that have been studied because people are living very, very long, Um, anywhere from, you know, mid-90s to 114, 115, right, in these areas, some of them longer. Um, And they're all across the country. And what boggles my mind is some of them are even like third world countries. Like they don't have everything that we have, but they're very healthy. And so this article dove into more about why that is. So I just want to read some of the things that um, came up in the article. And one of the first things was 80% comes down to lifestyle habits. And those lifestyle habits don't include just nutrition. It's like literal lifestyle habits and the mindset that they have. A body in motion stays in motion. So Another article they had pointed to is the fact that those who exercise will live longer. They will live into their hundreds if they're consistently working out every day. Now, it could be swimming at the YMCA. It could be doing chair yoga. You know, it could be just going on a walk every day. But those who stay in motion, instead of just sitting at home, relaxing, going and retired, I don't have to do anything, right? They have been at the top of the list for those who live longer when we go into like third world countries, right? Like they're constantly doing something. They're being a part and moving daily as part of that society, whether it's gathering food or cooking foods, like all of these different things, gathering water and everything, they're still doing it at their ages. And so I thought it was very interesting because we know as health coaches, right? That when the body is continually moving, it has the ability to detoxify itself. Whereas if we're sedentary, there's no place for the toxins to go. We're not sweating. We're not releasing those toxins through our sweat, through our skin, helping the body move it through our lymph system or anything like that. So I just found that really interesting that now we're in a time where that's a focus, keep moving. Right. And it, it hasn't been for so very long.
3: Have you seen Shannon, the, the Netflix special, um, It's called, I believe I should know the name. It's called The Blue Zones.
0: So I had, I didn't know about it. I've read the book. Okay. And while I was doing some research, I just saw that they have a movie and it's on their website, the blue, blue zones.com.
3: Yeah, it was, my husband and I watched it. Um, and I would recommend it to our listeners because this researcher went all over the world and went to all the blue zones and studied the population and you know obviously the diets are not the same when you're going all over the world so it's not necessarily that one secret ingredient in their diet and my takeaway from that um movie or documentary was that it is the movement but it's the movement that you're doing like it's the being present with the movement and who you're doing the movement with because they studied these communities and. One of the things that just kind of was so cool was in these small communities. When someone was a widow or a widower, the village rallied around that person, and yeah, they didn't—they weren't left; they weren't left isolated. And the my takeaway from it was: it is what you eat and drink and move and sleep and watch and hear and listen and in that. But it, it's when your soul is so fed and you're held by your community, your family, your loved ones, and you feel seen, heard, and, you know, and you matter. Those are the things that I feel like the blue zones are providing to those people that live there to, long, you know, improve their life. It's yeah. their genetic environment.
4: Absolutely. And I actually, um, I was a host of the functional forum meetup for a while and we, they did a special on this as well as five or six years ago. And my biggest takeaway was the community aspect of it. Instead of taking your elderly people and putting them in assisted living, you know, I mean, I know they have a lot of um, activities there and things like that, but you know, these, these people, like you said, you know, 90, 100 years old, they're living within the community. You know, they're not shoved off into a corner in this other separate building where they only deal, you know, work with people their their own age. You know, the right. kids are there, the grandkids, great grandkids, you know, they are part of the community. And um, so I think that's a huge, huge factor as well.
0: Yeah, the one part of the research was... of those elderly who are isolated from communities and families will have certain death very quickly. So, I mean, that just speaks to how much the soul needs. It's not just the physical body. It is the soul, the whole energetic Feeling of, of you. I mean, and, and that goes along with the positive mindset. Almost every person that they interviewed, they interviewed over a thousand centarians and super centarians. And one of the first things they said was a positive mindset and being around those you love, being very social were the keys to living that long. You know, so if you have somebody, and it, I mean, it goes back to cancer studies, right? Someone has cancer and they have a very negative mindset about where that cancer is going, where they're going to end up versus someone who's extremely positive and uplifted the whole way. The person who's very positive has a sixty-some percent chance of beating that cancer over the person who has that negative mindset. So it's shown multiple times in our lives, no matter what we're going through, that positive mindset in in that socialization and feeling that love, like you said, Kathy, not just from those who are working in a nursing home, right? But from their family, those that they've been connected to for a long time. And in many of these blue zones, the families do, they work, they live together. They work together. Like they're never separated. If there's only one person left in a family, the rest of the village takes over. Um, Bobby, you had mentioned food, right? Like it's not necessarily about food. And you're right, because part of the study was, Um, What are they eating in these different areas? And in Japan, for instance, they're very, very strict about their eating and they have a rule they typically follow, which is to only um, eat until they're 80% full. Whereas those in Latin, Latin countries, they're very indulgent. So, and they're still living (laughs) to hundred plus years old, right? So again, when we look at my my thought process of it in like herbal medicine and and diving into the energetic properties of how the body can heal itself, right? Like the biggest thing that helps with that that triggers the body to start making sure it's healing itself, it's keeping on track, it's staying up to where it needs to be speed-wise. It's not just using the nutrients of the food you're eating, but it's the mind. It is the the subconscious and things like that that are going okay we can do this We're we're doing great there's nothing that's you know sidetracking us and things like that um, and resiliency um, in that and that's something else that was pointed to is life's going to knock you off the track but you have to stay resilient and if you have that resilient mindset that's what's going to keep pushing you through
4: so another thing Another quick tangent I thought of is, you know, I know this is controversial, the blood type diet, you know, oh and, you know, our genetics, what were our bodies are, you know, genetically, you know, able to um, digest. Um, right. So, you know, people in Japan versus people in Germany, you know, they've got different diets. So, you know, you know, even though, you know, you have centurion's. In Japan and then Switzerland or wherever they are, I, I forget where they're all at. But yeah, you know, you, you know, eating as close to your, you know, your traditional um, feeding is,
0: I think, very important as well. Right. And yeah,
5: your constitution.
0: Yeah, and part of the part of the research was also that they have found because there's been some, they've done some blood work and stuff like that on the people that they've studied. Twenty percent of genetics plays a part.
3: That's it. Yep. Twenty yep.
0: percent. You know, and uh, it's also-
3: your environment. It's really, really your environment. And yeah. it's how you handle your environment and your genetic code is is your body's map, but it's also what is surrounding all of your cells and what's turning on. I always think of genes as light switches and they're flipping on and flipping off, right? And they're set at a certain you're all you know, your lighting when you're born is set and you've got your light switches, some are on, some are off. And your life is what's turning those light switches on and off. And um, you know, you have options and choices in your life of who you surround yourself with, what kind of water you drink, the foods you choose, the clothes you wear, the climate you live in, whether you get outdoors every day and watch the sunset and the sunrise. I mean, there's so many choices and you know, there can be decision fatigue, especially, and that's why routines are great. But when somebody thinks about their life as options and choices, and that every day that blackboard is wiped clean, so that you can start over today, it's a it's a clear blackboard. And there's no, you know, marks on it yet. And so that's what I like to help people with is just kind of if your mindset is like, you know, every day is a new day, it's a new start, and you can change. And if you let go of what you did yesterday, whether it was eat half of a chocolate cake, you know, (laughs) or something like that, that's where people can do those behavioral changes and really kind of change, like you said, Shannon, change their environment and who who's supporting them and how they're functioning in their environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And And that brings us to like brain age, right? Like what's the difference between brain age and or physical age, right? And what's more important and research shows that they're now, they're now finding out and they're one, they're, they're doing more research on brain age and how do we measure brain age? We all know people who may be the same age, you know, they might be 76 years old, but there's a complete difference in their mental acuity, you know, and that has a big play in how long they're going to live because the less mental acuity that you have, the more degraded that your brain is, the more, the, the less resilient you are to any type of disease. Right? Um, you, and that just goes to show how much your brain and your mind have to do with your, with your physical health. Right. Um, and so they're, they're doing a lot more research as to how they can measure that like there's not a lot of ways to measure that brain age currently so it was really exciting to see that they're starting to do that research what, you know what are those things that we can help to keep our mind young you know what what keeps our mind young? We all know that if you have somebody who, sits at home all day in front of a TV because they're retired and there's nothing else to do. They don't have any hobbies. They're not getting out. They're sitting there watching TV. Their brain's going to age a lot faster than somebody who is out and active or at least doing activities that challenge their brain every day, reducing the amount of stress that they are facing every day that their brain is having to deal with right? I mean, we all, we all, we talk about stress perception and stress management a lot, right? We all know how stress can affect our bodies, but as we get older, we tend to have less of an ability to, like you said, Bobby, like changing the habits, you know, changing that mindset as we get older, it becomes a lot harder to do that. Um, there was a tool, there was a brand new tech tool. I know we, we like talking about all these tech tools, you know? um, And there was one that I came across uh, when I was doing some of this research that just came out and it's a little bit expensive right now. And I think, you know, it's one of those where when they first come out, they get expensive, but then as time goes on and people, more people start using them and seeing success with them, that they come down in price, but it's called sense.ai. And it's like a headband that's worn and it's able, it's able to sense like almost like an EEG. It can sense the brain waves and things like that. Like it literally has these little cushions on, on underneath the helmet. Um, and it actually is geared towards brain health and brain age in helping to keep your brain young and keep almost like, you know, the apps, like we tell a lot of, I know I tell my dad, you know, get on your phone, get on your tablet and play some of these brain age games, right, Um, to test your mental acuity and and things like that and and get your brain moving. Well, this does the same type of thing, and it's got an app that can go along with it, Um, but it works on resilience and cognitive control and helping people to find a better true calm in dealing with stress better. It helps with um, eliminating brain fog and helping with mental clarity. Um, It helps with peak performance of your brain. So you can increase the peak performance of your brain in certain areas and enhances creativity, helps with sleep. So it's just one of these tools that has become more advanced and more involved in helping when it comes to brain age and keeping the brain young and moving.
4: I'm curious how that would compare to the brain tap, you know, that's been so um, popular yeah, uh, so I'm curious so, too.
3: Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Did you guys, when you were growing up, did you <laughs> hear the myth? I, I believed it that, like, when your brain cell died, you never grew a new one, and you only have so many brain cells I- that you're yeah. born with. Yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. I remember hearing that, and I especially heard that with alcohol—that mm-hmm. you know, if you drink, you're losing your brain cells. And I, I remember as, as a little kid thinking, well gosh, how do we get to be old? Because our, you know, our brains will definitely shrink up and and die, you know? And it wasn't until I learned about neuroplasticity, which is that your brain is a living, breathing, changeable organ, and that it can (laughs) renew itself, that I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And I love brain science. I think brain science is one of those things that they're only going to continue to, you know, evolve with that and learn more and more. But Taking care of your brain is one of those things that people probably don't think a whole lot about when they think about their health. The first thing they think about is their weight, maybe their skin and their hair, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the fact that their joints hurt, but brain doesn't always kind of top the list, unfortunately. Yeah,
5: it it absolutely should. And that's one of the things about the blue zones, you know, some things that we can learn from those amazing people that have lived so long and are still living. They're thriving. They're still thriving. I know my daughter, when she was in college, she went to a blue zone. She went to Ikaria, Greece, And so she loved it. She said, Mom, they were so happy. The people there are so happy. And even if you are no longer working, per se, in the family business, you're still working. You're still there with your family. You're still challenging your brain. You're still outside doing these things. You know, we have a different philosophy here in the States where when you're retired, you're retired. And, right. and not everybody, that's not across the board, but you think about the neuroplasticity of our brain and how we are continuously learning, that is what's keeping us sharp as a tack. That is what's really helping. And these people that are in like Loma Linda and, you know, Ikaria and all these places, the blue zones, they are still thriving because they have community they're eating well they're not I and mean, they're taking naps you know they're resting you know the sabbath was made for man not uh, the man for sabbath and so you know even our creator knew that we needed to take time to rest and these are some principles that would really do us well in other countries to follow especially here in the states where we have an a, abundance of a work mindset it's killing us but that's another discussion <laughs>
4: I was just thinking about the Asian restaurants. When you go into an Asian restaurant, you'll see everything from the five-year-old child to the ninety-four-year-old, five-year-old grandmother still working in the restaurant. You know,
0: yeah, it's same even in like Italian families, right? Like if you look at those families who have immigrated from other countries into our country, right? And a lot of family still lives together. They all live in the same house. Like that is what you know their their whole family has done. You know, generationally. And, and they still continue that. And there's reasons for that, you know, and you're right, Michelle, like we are, this, our country is one of the sickest countries, even above third world countries. Our country is the sickest country, you know, because of the fast pace and the, you know, never paying attention to really what we need. And we're having to, you know, keep up with the Joneses attitude and all of that, right? Like the bigger, best, you know, newer things and, all of the money in the world isn't going to help. It all boils down to, you know, your beliefs, your values, your mindset, your, like you said, Bobby, the neuroplasticity, you know, that you're able to do with your brain to keep it young. So yeah, we would do well to take a lot of tips from other countries in this matter. <laughs> For
5: sure. Definitely.
4: Especially in when- the blue zone. Yeah. yeah. One thing that popped into my mind, too, is, you know, um, the all the food additives that we have, you know, the coloring. Yes. The things like that. I mean, that's pretty common knowledge nowadays that, you know, Fruit Loops, for instance, you know, they use fruits and vegetables to color the Fruit Loops in Europe versus here. They use FDA yellow number 40 or whatever it is. Right. You know, I mean, those things are killing us, too. And people don't even realize it. They just keep going. And-
0: yep. All the chemicals are being sprayed on our food here that are banned mm-hmm. in other countries. I mean, exactly. It's just- It's mind boggling. Yeah. Well, Jane, I know you had done some research on um, some things. So what topic do you have today?
1: Well, I do a lot of reading about how plants affect us in certain ways. And my topic that I, that really hit my radar recently is the link between the use of medical cannabis and its effect of uh, arrhythmias and heart irregularities. So Mm -hmm. Um, you may or may not know that the cannabis has the THC, which is the active component, and that can create a lot of havoc in people's bodies and such. And so, um, for those who are interested in doing the, uh, medical cannabis, I highly suggest that they choose a vetted place and that their, 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 source is clean and everything, um and the studies was showing that the data is kind of more or less lacking in terms of, uh, uh, uh clear cut um, information because there's legality problems and they need to take a look at the, uh, the severity of the diseases that they're seeing. Um, take a look, closer look at the clinical measures, uh, whether it be blood tests or lifestyle factors too. Um, And the reason that it's in the news in the first place, because it triggered just that level where it could be significant enough to warrant people needing to know about it. Um, So questions still remain. Uh, Again, it's a matter matter of statistics and clinical um, information. And there was something on that link as well about a doctor saying, well, what about ibuprofen? That has the same risk effect with arrhythmia and such. So you have to look at that as well. And I, th- again, I think as long as it's from a trusted source and it's being monitored all as well, but also taken into consideration that CBD could also be a, um, a better solution because uh, it has much la- lower THC content And so I just thought that was worthy of uh, sharing today and just to take a closer look for yourself, you know, ask your doctor and and see if that's the right choice for you. And
4: uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole endocannabinoid system. Yes. I mean, what if there are 40 or 50 different sites? Yes. Many. So, you know, there's a new, new research has, you know, been going into that over the last 10 10, 15 years. But yeah, they're definitely starting mm-hmm. to target that 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 avenue of treating things through the endocannabinoid system. And you're right, you don't need THC. A lot of times the, the CBD is fine. And there's so, yes. many different, mm-hmm. so many different ones that target each individual endocannabinoid receptor. So you just got to find the right one for you.
0: This is totally in my wheelhouse. Um, so I'll mm-hmm. speak to this a little bit because I've had some, um, experience with this, but go ahead, Bobby, I'll let you pop in first.
3: All I wanted to say is you both brought up a good point is that the research, I mean, this is such a new, um, trend, you know, that cannabis is that the research is so far behind on the general population. Right. I mean, I'm sure they've studied enough where they can say, you know, it's a, Effective for pain or different things like that. But in the general population, we don't have enough research on how cannabis impacts, you know, fertility and, and, you know, all kinds of different things that people aren't really thinking about, you know, when they're taking <laughs> these medications. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up that we got, we've got a long way to go to to bring up the research behind all of that and backing that up so that people have the facts, because right now some of the facts are just not out there yet. Yeah,
0: agreed. And this is something so it's in, and the reason why it's in my wheelhouse, not just as an herbalist, but also personal experience with it with our older son. He, we found out when he was 12, he had a traumatic brain injury. And the doctors literally told us there is nothing that is going to help slow his brain down except for something. Like cannabis. And of course, I mean, he's 12 years old. I was like, uh, what are you talking about? You know, but at the time CBD was just starting to emerge. And so that was something I had dug in and done the research on. And we used CBD with him and we saw fantastic results with him. Um, Of course, he became an older teenager, you know, in school, got into the wrong crowd, and then the rest is history, right? but all of that has also taught me in, in doing the research, you know, we have, especially like in our state in Illinois, we have, um, cannabis dispensaries around everywhere. Um, and you have to have, you know, your medical card for um, marijuana to go in there. And there is a, when I talk to people, they're like, but you know, it's, it's an herb, it's natural. Like you, You should understand this. And while I do, you also have to realize that medical cannabis is genetically modified specifically for higher THC content. And so when you're going in there for specific things, you know, like if you are a cancer patient, for instance, and you are going in there for um, marijuana, you're getting a higher THC level because that higher THC level is what dulls the pain. It helps you get through the pain. Whereas somebody who may be going in there to get um, medical marijuana because of anxiety, they need a lower amount of THC. But the fact doesn't change that THC is the addictive property of cannabis. So if you start out high at a higher level, there's not much more that can happen if, if after a, a span say of six months, that THC, that higher level of THC is no longer working for you. And it's now working against your body. There's nowhere else for you to go. The other health aspects that happen with that are like you had the the article that you pointed out, Jane, about having AFib and arrhythmias. Absolutely. That can happen. It can also happen with CBD, depending on what CBD is mixed with. So Um, We have um, some gummies here, perfectly legal, um, but they are just CBD, but they are mixed with also adaptogenic mushrooms. And they actually have the same effect as a low dose, let's say Delta-8-THC gummy, okay? And it it can restrict your breathing it can increase your heart rate, you know, if you take too much of a dose for yourself. So it's not just the THC content, the CBD can happen as well, depending on what it is mixed to it. And here's the big danger with that. When you're going to a convenience store, and you're buying a packet of CBD gummies from the convenience store that have not been tested by third party and they don't necessarily list all of the ingredients, you can get into some serious trouble and even die. And that's what we see a lot of happening. You know, when you're watching these news shows and stuff like that, and they're saying, you know, somebody bought this from a convenience store, it had had CBD only, but then they found THC or they found this other component. That's, that's why that's happening because it's been such a big thing. Now these other companies are wanting to make a quick buck off of it and they don't care about the health. So to what you said, Jane, you have to make sure whether you're purchasing CBD, whether you're purchasing medical cannabis, you are doing it from the right space. I find a lot, I know around here we live, there is a lot of misuse of having a medical card for cannabis. There is a lot of people who just have an addiction and they just, they will make up any reason to get a medical card. And there's a lot of doctors who will fall right into that. I can talk to or speak of three doctors in my local area that will give anybody a medical card for cannabis at any time. For oh, sure. any, you just gotta you pay know. your hundred hundred and fifty dollars
4: or whatever it is.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> and and so, you know, this is where when you go into places like Congress and the government and everything, this is where that argument comes from that we shouldn't legalize it in this state, shouldn't legalize it. These are the issues that are coming up because people do take advantage of the system. So we're not helping. Their goal is to help reduce the drug war that we have, right? To help reduce addiction and things like that. But there's really no possible way to do that. And it all boils down to how much money can these states make? I can tell you that in our state, our state is making billions of dollars in tax dollars from the dispensaries that are here. And it comes down to money Mm -hmm. not caring. So it's so important to do the research and really see and notice, physically notice. If you try CBD, if you try um, CBD mixed with something else, if you're trying a low dose THC, like the Delta 8, Delta 9 gummies that some states allow now, what are you noticing? Take note of that. Make sure that you are with somebody who can observe you if it's the first time you're taking them. We do have endocannabinoid receptors all throughout our body, but we don't just get them from a CBD gummy or THC in marijuana. There are so many other things in nature that bind to these endocannabinoid receptors. And so we really have to make sure that people aren't just going after that high and are really focusing on it for health reasons. And I think that's the biggest thing to walk away from this discussion from is what are your reasons? What is your why? What is the need for it? And talk with somebody who is educated in all aspects of this, you know, not just a conversation with your conventional doctor saying, Hey, I'm thinking about trying, you know, medical cannabis, you know, where can I get card or I'm thinking about trying CBD? What do you know about? Cause chances are, they don't know enough about it. Whereas someone like an herbalist who has been able to dive into it, or somebody who has degrees specific to cannabis and CBD, in the endocannabinoid system is gonna be someone you can talk to at a much greater length about that.
5: And I don't know if you guys have an answer to this, but there was an article and I cannot think of his name, but there was a doctor that came out a few months ago and he was explaining that the amount of THC now is so much stronger than it was in the 60s. So that absolutely affecting your brain. So we were talking about the brain earlier so people almost are getting this false sense of security when we are legalizing, you know, when we're legalizing it, saying it's okay medical marijuana. But what are the ramifications of our brain? Because we have a lot of young people that are turning to that for back pain or anxiety or whatever. So what really are the ramifications on the brain? And to Bobby's point, we simply don't know enough yet at this point of what is really happening.
0: I can answer part of that for you. Research shows up to this point that high doses of THC, even for a short period of time, can cause things like psychosis in people. So we're in an age where we're seeing a lot of mental health issues, right? right. And to that point, my question is how many of these people who have mental health issues are also doing medical cannabis or just regular cannabis off the street? right because especially off the street and unfortunately i know this with experience with our oldest but unfortunately off the street things like um what they call shatter and crumble out on the street has different levels of thc for instance crumble might have like 70 percent thc um and it's just the form that it's in um and the way that it's been made you know basically in somebody's apartment um and then shatter is literally like a wax and it is over 90%, sometimes almost a hundred percent THC that these kids are smoking. Um, and so when we think about this, you know, like I said, we have a huge mental health crisis and it's easily available on the streets. Right. So a lot of young adults, especially, are going for this, and and that that in itself is what leads. It is that's why it can be a gateway drug into other things because they're not getting enough. They think they need more. Their body's craving more. They want more. And then we also have the psychosis. We have the heart issues that come along. We have the um, depression and anxiety that is now worsened because of this. When people originally used it for those things, right? Um, it's a pain number right? Mental health crisis all boils down to people are trying to numb their pain emotionally, physically. And so these are the things we're going for. The good thing about a medical dispensary, cannabis dispensary is they're, they're tighter. There's so many different levels that they offer that they're tighter. And they most of the time always recommend you start out as low as you possibly can, but it's a recommendation. They can't tell them to start here somebody can walk in and they can get the highest amount of THC, you know, vape pen, smokable, whatever, and and just start there. And so there's, there's a lot of issues around it that I don't know will ever be answered, but it is very important to educate yourself. Well,
5: and then you've got the people that grow it they grow the marijuana themselves. And so they, they could have great intentions. It's completely organic. like, I know where I'm getting it from. I'm taking good care of it, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's still at what percent, yep. you know, at what percent and what is that doing? If you're doing that for sleep, for example, how much more do you have to keep on doing to get that sleep that you're so desperately looking for?
0: Yeah. And to your point earlier, you know, it's different now than what it was in the sixties right? In the seventies. And even somebody growing it at home, because we know several people, it can still be genetically modified. It's just the seeds and the seeds that they are literally, they know how, because it's very, very simple to genetically modify those seeds to do a higher THC content. You know, it, it the education that people have around this whole thing is mind blowing. When you look into it, it is so mind blowing. <laughs> the government yeah. has no clue. and
3: well, I don't have <laughs> information. It's well, not well. in my wheelhouse. And so I think I would, one of the things I would tell people to do is do your homework. If it's yeah. something that you're, yep. you want to try or someone in your family, or you've got um, kids in your household that are um, experimenting with it, you know, do your homework. One of the people that I, um, follow is dr daniel amen and he talks a lot about marijuana use he talks about the scans that he does on their brains of the people that are using it and he's giving you research and statistics and information so that might be somebody to tune into if it's this is a subject that you find like you need more information on because um it is one of those things it's not going to go away So you could either get educated or you can stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not there. And if you don't have kids and you don't have to worry about monitoring that kind of stuff, you don't really need to worry about it. But if you do, it's something you got to kind of wake up to, unfortunately.
0: Absolutely. I love Dr. Amon. He was somebody we started following. He was starting to just be emerging with his SPECT imaging when we found out about our son's brain injury. So it was brand new technology, but we have continued to follow him for the last you know, 15 years or so. Um, and the research he is doing, especially on how cannabis affects the brain and everything is, is mind blowing. It's, it's so crazy to actually have a lot of that research to back up what people are experiencing now. And for people to go in there and literally see a picture of how it is affecting their brain and in what areas it is affecting their brain, because it can affect people in different areas of their brain you know, and what the important functions that they're losing because of that. So. Now,
1: now, aren't the rises and falls so much greater when you're, when you have that high THC, it's just, you're just way up here or you're way down here. Right. So it almost seems, I can imagine it feel like you're helpless in some way if you were experiencing one or the other.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like, it, it, even like pain pills, like we experienced that with pain pills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's just Tylenol with codeine in it, you experience that. And so just think about that happening at, at a higher level and coming down even harder, you know? So, um, it's, it's interesting and maybe we'll have to do a podcast, um, episode on the history of the drugs that are out there on the street, like where they came from pharmaceutically, because almost all of them came from the pharmaceutical companies, you know, Pharmacaia. Um, yes. It's crazy, so um, all right, Sarah, let's move on. What do you have for us today?
2: First of all, I just want to add on to Jane's before we switch over. Thank you for bringing that up. I found that very interesting, as Bob said, it's not my wheelhouse either, but well, first of all, this generation of kids, right our kids, yeah. all I hear is everyone, not that my kids do, but everyone, all my friends use it. and I just think, wow, that's so interesting. You know the change in each generation, like we smoked, and I mean obviously alcohols across the board. But I found it particularly interesting the heart arrhythmia because that's yeah. personally interesting to me. I had no idea, so um, I'm glad I've never tried marijuana then because yeah. I wouldn't want to add that onto my plate. But that that was very very interesting information. So well,
0: I- and and to that my experience because I have the same arrhythmia that you yeah. do. My experience is. There's only specific brands of CBD that I can use right. that won't trigger my heart arrhythmia.
2: And I haven't really, like I've used like a CBD cream. I've tried a couple mm-hmm. things, but I've never, I mean, I haven't had a lot of pain, I guess. But then, you know, my, my SVT like yours, and mm-hmm. then my dad had atrial fibrillation. So you've got that, whether or not there's a genetic component to that. I don't know. It just—it's very interesting. It's something to look at, especially to tell my kids going forward, right? Be careful. So, um, okay. So, switching gears, something I found that was um, surprising, but not surprising, probably for us as health coaches, is there was a study that came out, I believe, in January in Environmental Health Perspectives, and I mean, we all know the importance, right, of lifestyle changes and toxins on the body and cancers and all that but i think a lot of people don't really truly connect the dots but they found that and this was headed by dr jenny k from silent spring institute just for anyone who's interested they found that um, they identified over 900 chemicals linked to breast cancer risk so of the 921 chemicals identified this is the part that struck me over 90% are ones that people are commonly exposed to via consumer products, personal care products, food, pesticides, and more. So while a small percentage of breast cancers can be attributed to genetics, which I think we all hear, right? How, I don't know, everyone I talk to is always tooting that genetic horn. Um, The vast majority are environmental in nature. And, in this context, environment means many things, not just exposure to chemical it, chemicals, it could be nutrition, exercise, drugs, you know, drug use, like we're talking about, um, and more. So anyway, I just wanted to have a conversation about that because I don't know about you guys, but I know so many people who just go get their mammogram yearly, don't worry about the radiation, which to me is another form, right, that you have to worry about. And then they go about their, their life as long as it came back clear, eat the way they want, you know, use their makeup from the drugstore, the department store, that's full of chemicals, use the same deodorant, full of chemicals and aluminum, you know, and so on and so on. And they don't look at the things that we as health coaches are looking at and the importance of, you know, it's like all these people who end up with breast cancer or cancer, they don't want to make the changes until it happens to them.
0: Right. And that thought process, yeah, that, that thought process tends to be, well, I'm going to die of something anyways.
2: Right, right. It's so flippant. I, I just think to myself, but what if, what if you started looking at it and making the small changes that are overwhelming now before you would ever have something like that rather than wait and then your whole world falls apart and you have to make all these changes all at once, you know, if you're even willing to do that, which, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't willing to do that. So anyway, I thought I just thought it was very interesting um, that they put it out there, that all these things that we use every day um, are related. Yeah. So, And
4: speaking of the aluminum, you know, that was something I almost brought up when we were talking about the brain health, you know, and Alzheimer's. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a huge link between those two. So, you know. Don't cook in the aluminum pans. Right. Don't see yeah. aluminum deodorants and things like that. You know, I mean, because if, you, if you're if you going to live to be a hundred, you know, your body's in great shape, but you you can't remember anything. You don't know who your kids are or whatever. What good is yeah. it? Yeah.
2: I think what so, it boils down to is people need to understand how much control they really have, whether it's their brain health, your heart arrhythmia, their, um, you know, cancer risk. There are so many things that you can do on your own without a practitioner, just lifestyle changes that are going to improve your life and help you live to be close to hopefully one of the blue zone yeah. people.
0: So right. I want to bring this up in the fact that because you're you know you just mentioned aluminum right, and it's funny because in a, a later episode I was going to talk about some research that just came out about aluminum being obviously an endocrine disruptor right. So, um, an endocrine, um, disruptor in the body means that it's affecting levels like progesterone, estrogen, and things like that. When we have high estrogen, that is an increase for breast cancer, right? And so these things are coming from like, we, we tend to, I know myself with my clients, um, educate about things like plastics, right? Like you have obesogens and endocrine disrupting chemicals in plastics and stuff if you're using them in the microwave, storing your foods in them. But this research just came out that aluminum cans that we are drinking out of are releasing high amounts of aluminum. Now, for us, right? Like that's a well, duh, kind yes. of moment, right? Like we get that. It, a lot of other people don't think about that because it's widely available everywhere you go. You can get, whether it's beer, whether it's soda, even water is now coming in cans, you know? What about um, the
2: ones that used to sell at Whole Foods? Like I'm talking 15 years ago, yeah. I remember going, they were the cutest things. They had all these cute prints on them for kids. Yep, and I was so tempted, but I researched and here at Whole Foods, you think, oh, Whole Foods sells it. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. And it was straight aluminum water
0: bottles yep. yes absolutely and that's why like we educate on doing stainless steel like for your water bottle right like do stainless steel don't do the cheap aluminum ones that you're getting off of amazon coming from china or something right is it so important because of those endocrine disrupting chemicals that they're going to cause cancer in your body your body can't get rid of them you know it's it's Glass. Building up. yes this is my
3: favorite one one concept to help people kind of when i thought about this to help people kind of visualize this is when it comes to toxins, you want to shut the front door and open the back door. And what that means is you focus on what you're not going to allow into your system, into your body in the front door, and you get the back door open and going, which means a lot of people don't understand that your lymphatic system is your garbage system. And so I'm sure you all have experienced people that come you know with a cancer diagnosis and they want to know has it has it gotten into the lymph nodes and your lymph nodes are your septic tanks and so a lot of times with women especially because we use scented products which shannon was talking about endocrine disruptors <clears throat> scent is a chemical that comes in and mimics other things in your body and sits on these receptors and they cause issues with your tissues And so if we can get the flow going, not only stop and shut the front door and keep things from coming into our system for our water and our food and our products and our air, but open the back door, make sure if you are a sufferer of constipation, Mm -hmm. that is holding toxins in your body. If you are someone that carries a lot of um, fat in your waistline, Mm that is a sign that you're toxic, that your body is storing toxins in your fat cells to protect you, but it's layering down in your abdomen. A lot of the breast cancer stuff, if you think about it, is think about how much um, lymphatic tissue is in the breast area, under the armpit, where we put our, our, our um, like Kathy was saying, like our deodorant with the aluminum in it. Um, when you have not enough flow in your lymphatic system, that's when we get backed up. And when you get backed up, that's when the cancers start and the, the tumors start. And your body's kind of like, I can't, I, I, the, the scale tip, like a lot of people are like, I was fine one day and I wasn't the next. And it's like, no, actually you were building towards that for quite a while. So hopefully that concept helps people when you think about it that way of you know, lowering your toxin load and getting rid of the load that you have. And if it's not flowing, you got to figure out how to improve your flow.
4: Um, another thing that popped up in my mind when you were talking about that is I saw an article regarding microplastics in water bottles. It says 100 times more microplastics in water bottles than what once was previously thought. So you can't rid of those plastic bottles. Oh my goodness. Um, and even the B, the ones that say BPA-free, that's not necessarily good either. They say the BPA free ones are worse than the BPA ones. I've they could also Laura, have BPA too, right? Yeah. Yes. I don't, yeah.
1: So stainless steel like y'all.
2: Mm-hmm. Glass <laughs> <laughs> or glass. Glass, glass <laughs> is even better, right? Glass is better. Glass is so much yeah, because I was looking at um Mama Vations and she did a whole, I might have talked about it on a previous podcast, I can't remember. She did a whole blog post on all the stainless steel and glass water bottles and what the best one is, because there's borosilicate glass and a lot of the Pyrex, for example, used to be like just that clear white glass and now it has that green tint. That's now um, coming from China. And she compares all the different stainless steel water bottles and all the different glass ones. Certain stainless ones come from China a certain kind of steel and she tells you what ones are good, what ones are bad, which ones leach. So I thought that was interesting because found that not every, especially stainless bottle is yeah, the greatest. Yeah. I think she said Yeti was one of the best ones. So um, what was yeah. the um, podcast? <laughs> was she? What? Oh, it's um, it's a website. It's Mama Vation. It's Mama yeah, Vation or Mama great. Vations with an S. But she does, I don't know lot of things actually but some of the things like the cleaners and things that she went over and ranked some of them might have agreed with maybe i didn't agree with them some of the chemicals that she okayed so take it with a grain of salt obviously you decide what's right for you um but when it came to the water bottles i thought it was really intriguing just
5: a cool website i want to piggyback on what you just said sarah too hydroflax um has been um proven that they do not have lead in their cups, their travel cups and all of that, which I was super excited about because, yeah, my son is a huge hydroflask and he always has been like believer and which yep. is really funny. So when I gave him that information, because I'm super conscious about the whole lead thing in oh, yeah. our dishes and our environment and all of that. I mean, yes, we have to worry about mercury and, and just aluminum and everything, but mm-hmm. I was personally lead poison. So I have been more aware
2: about the lead. Oh, wow. so I do lie. you watch Lead Safe Mama? Do you follow her? I do. Um, Yes, I do. I get a lot of information from her. But she talks, you know, how the Stanley bottles are all the yeah. rage, with, especially the girls. Those have lead. They not have lead right. in that. And to your point yeah, and there,
1: there's that big push, right? Right yeah. now. So it's... And when
5: it's coming from China, like we just, we we just, not every country has our best interest in mind, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> For a couple other conversation, But also I oh, want to cool. get back to the aluminum cans and because you've got everything. You've got mm-hmm. the water, water, you've got the alcoholic drinks, the sparkling waters, all yeah. of this stuff in cans. And my husband works in manufacturing. And so we have to remember that those cans sit in a very hot warehouse, over a hundred degree warehouse plus in the summer. They're on hot truck. What is it's leaching? Those chemicals are leaching into that drink, whatever beverage of choice. So we're already at a deficit here. We're already at zero, but at least if you do drink those, pour them into a safer container, pour them into a glass, pour them into something you know doesn't have. Because I know it's convenience. But the thing is about convenience is our health is greatly being affected and compromised due to convenience. So we just need to be our best advocate for our own health and be aware, again, of some easy little tricks and tips that we can do to help support our lymphatic system and our, our body.
1: Wouldn't it be safe to say, just follow what's going on in Europe and to see what products they are, you know, Mm -hmm. putting out and what they're doing? And
0: For the most part, yes, there are some things. And and I I really think it depends on where in Europe they're at, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between some European countries and those who are in the UK, right? And what they allow. Um, Even countries, you know, like Germany or something, right? Like there's a big difference between what they allow, what they don't. Um, When it comes to food, when it comes to stainless steel cups and plastic cups and things like that, I want to play devil's advocate for a minute before we end this episode. And Bobby, this is going to be more directed at you. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I think you'll have the answer to this. When we, when we take into reflection, the fact that when these types of things come up, people see them on the news all the time, because we are bombarded with articles like this everywhere, right? Especially the last five years or so people tend to tune out because they do have that attitude of, well, I'm going to die from something anyway. So what does it matter? But I want to bring the light and kind of play devil's advocate here. If you are doing those things, right? Like our body has its own detox system naturally. And maybe that is kind of what some people were playing off of is that our body can just detox this stuff. And obviously so many things have grown toxicity wise. We're we're bombarded so much more today than we were 200 years ago. And so back 200 years ago, our bodies could more readily take toxins, you know, um, get rid of them, detox from them. Is there anything that someone can do? Like if they're not willing to change their lifestyle necessarily, what are some daily things that maybe they can apply to their life that will help support the natural detox that their body has?
3: Yeah, there, for sure. There's a lot of free things you can do. It's just whether you want to put them into your routine. You know, if you don't want to change your, your food, you can at least filter your water at home because studies show that we consume a large portion percentage of our water comes from our own home. So at least filtering your water and getting up, schooled up on that um, is one thing. But the other thing you can do is work um, on a self-care routine that you just super simple things that you can do. Swap out your toothpaste for something that's you know non-toxic. Dry brushing is something that you can do. It feels really good. You can do it right before you hop in the shower or in the shower before you turn on the water and work on your skin, get your, get your circulation is one improving anything that improves your circulation, whether it's getting out of breath, um, through exercising or dry brushing or massages, all that kind of stuff. When, where blood flows, the toxins, you know, flow out as well. So improving any kind of blood flow, making sure that you are breathing. That's the other thing, getting outside and getting your breath in and trying to really get to the bottom of your lungs because we breathe a lot up here. So if you're not somebody that doesn't want to change your food, doesn't want to change your water, but just doing some breath work because 70% of what we're exhaling or 70% of our detox is passing through and out of our lungs. So if you can just work on your breath, um, that would be a huge thing. And Breathwork also connects to your, to your nervous system. And when you are putting yourself in a calm, relaxed state, that's when your um, detox pathways can actually work better and you can actually get rid of the junk in the trunk.
0: Awesome. Great answer, Bobby. Thank you for that. Because yeah, as we move along, that's just where people go. I see so many people go to that mindset and it's like, but there, there are simple things you can do every single day in specific Things that you can focus on, like you said, that are free, they're easy, literally only take five to 10 minutes a day to do. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. We hope that you have enjoyed the several conversations that we have had in today's episode. We would love to hear your feedback and your comments. You can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram, things like that. you can also, anywhere you're listening to these podcasts, you can leave reviews. You can leave comments to interact with us as well. And in the show notes below, you'll find ways to contact each one of us, our websites, our personal Instagrams, things like that, as well as email to reach us and, and ask any questions or topics that are up and coming in the health and lifestyle world of holistic health and conventional health that you want to hear us discuss um, and talk about. So we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Again, have a fantastic week and stay well. Bye. Bye. Bye.